Hello, everybody, and welcome to the TeacherCast podcast. My name is Jeff Bradbury. Thank you so much for joining us today and making TeacherCast your home for professional development. Today, we're going to be talking all about educational leadership and helping our teachers become master teachers. I have a fantastic guest on the show today. She is an author with ASCD, the writer of a brand new book called Never Underestimate Your Teachers, Instructional Leadership for Excellence in Every Classroom and and I'm excited to share this. She's a brand new podcaster. <laughs> I want to bring on the show from Washington, D.C., Miss Robin Jackson. Robin, how are you today? Welcome to the show. I am thrilled to be here. I'm so excited to talk about what we're going to be talking about today. Me too. I am so excited because this is a topic that is near and dear to my heart, of course, as an instructional technology uh, coach. Everything that we're going to be here is good for principals. It's good for leaders, but especially anybody out there who's in that tech coach field. How can we get our teachers to become master teachers, Robin? <laughs> well, here's the thing. I, first of all, believe that any teacher can become a master teacher with the right kind of support and practice. And I've devoted the second half of my career to figuring out what the right kind of support and practice will be. And I wish I could give you a simple answer, like a magic pill that you could give to people to become master teachers. But unfortunately, it doesn't work that way. And it's really a part of a journey. And I think that as instructional leaders, we have to really get good at helping people get started on that journey and give them support for wherever they are on their journey. So the first thing is to help people figure out where are they on that journey. So one of the things that I've been working on for the last couple of years is the quiz that people can use to figure out where they are on their on their journey towards becoming a master teacher. And you start out as a novice, and a novice is not about years of service, it's really about experience and exposure and expertise. And then you go to an apprentice and then a practitioner and then a master teacher. So the first step is to figure out where people are and then you give them the support, the feedback, the accountability and the, and the, the cultural kind of support in order to help that person move from where they are through those stages until they get to the point of mastery and then sustain their mastery over time. So it is all about helping teachers get on that journey. But I think the question yes. that we all have as instructional teachers is how do you start right like if i walk into your classroom and say take this self quiz <laughs> you're gonna kick me out before it starts right how, how do we start this well, whole you process have, you have to well i think that one of the things we don't do is we don't do our homework before we walk into the classroom. So the first time we're walking into somebody's classroom, we should have an understanding of those four stages so that throughout that conversation with the person, we can start to pinpoint where they are. And then we shift and adjust our conversation to match people where they are. And the other thing is that when we're first starting that conversation, we come in and we're being very transparent about why we're there. So a lot of times we're taught to go in and, you know, make jokes and ask about people's kids and, and do all these things to try to establish rapport first. But people know why you're there. There's this power dynamic that we never talk about, but it's clearly present and it's palpable in the room that every time we come into a, a person's classroom to support them, the support is often not optional. The support is usually tied to their ability to keep their job, tied to compensation, tied to their ability to, to be promoted. So there's already that power dynamic. So instead of kind of dancing around and beating around the bush, you come right out and you say, listen, here's why I'm here. Here's the outcome that I'm trying to help us get there. How can, how, let's figure out how we do that together. And then you invite people into 
into a conversation about that. Now, the other thing you have to keep in mind is that in order to become a master teacher, you need will and skill. And most of our training is around how to develop people's skill. Very little of our training is around how to develop people's will. And so you have to be able to manage both of those dynamics during that conversation. I'm never put off when somebody during that first conversation seems very unwilling to work with me because sometimes you have to earn people's trust but the way you earn their trust is you're very transparent you're very you're very focused on them and it's about helping them not checking an item off on a box and when you do that over time and you can bring them um, into that journey you can invite them to be a part of that journey because it doesn't seem like it's something done to them it's something done with them the book here is called Never Underestimate Your Teachers. And in there, you have talked about everything being instinctive, right? And yeah. my question for you here is, if you are a teacher that isn't instinctive, can I as a coach, I think I'm saying this right, can I teach instinct into you? No, but I don't oh. think you need instinct. See, here's the thing. I think that there's a mythology around teaching, especially master teaching, that masterful teaching that we feel like that only happens with instinct and talent. And yet I know so many master teachers who would never fit our profile of what a master teacher would look like. So I don't try to teach someone that instinct. What I try to do is figure out what are their natural instincts and how do I help channel those towards masterful teaching. This is not some magical thing that we were imparted at birth. You can learn how to be a master teacher, but it's really about channeling my own natural instincts towards masterful teaching. So I, I guess the question when we, when we look at all of this stuff here is it's easy to get in the door once, right? Mm -hmm. How do you get back in that door? Like if I'm going to meet with you and I'm going to say, I'm here to yada, yada, yada and rah, rah, rah. And they go, <laughs> great. It's always getting back that second time, third time, fifth time. That is difficult. What advice do you have for, I'm going to say someone in my position or any instructional coach to keep that long lasted? Many of our positions are voluntary. The teacher doesn't have to work with you. It's a sell job. How do you continue to do the sell job when literally our job is to make you, I understand it's make you work better, make you look better, all those different mm -hmm. things, but, but you know where I'm going with this? Like how, how do you yeah. get that lasting customer out of a teacher? So one of the big mistakes we make in those conversations is because we feel like we have to sell ourselves. And I say we, because I'm a former instructional coach. And even in my job now, a lot of times when I'm hired to go in and work with teachers, it's voluntary. They can't force a teacher to work with me. So I have a very short window to sell the value of that work. So the mistake that we make is that we spend the conversation um, tiptoeing around things, selling, not worrying about, well, I don't want to say this because maybe they'll come back, all of those things. And we don't ever set up the conversation so that it's part of an ongoing conversation rather than a one-time visit. So when I go in and I talk to teachers, I don't see it as a one-time visit. It's part of an ongoing conversation. And there's always a call to action at the end of that conversation that naturally leads to the next conversation. And this is the part that we skip. We think I, I my job as a coach is to go in and solve a problem. And then if I solve the problem well enough, the teacher will invite me back. That doesn't work that way. So what we should be doing is going in and starting to establish a partnership. And at the end of that partnership, well, okay, we've done this part. We've talked about this part today. Now 
here's what I propose we do next, and I'll be back in a couple of weeks so that we can work on this next piece. And if you structure the conversation in a way that this is the first part of an ongoing conversation and you always have that call to action at the end, then you don't have to worry about being inviting back. You have an appointment. Your job is to leave with an appointment for your next visit at the end of that conversation. So is the call to action when can we get together next? Is no. the call to action I'll email you? Is that no. what is it? So the call to action is we're working on this. So if I'm going in as a coach and an instructional coach and I'm helping people understand the root cause of their practice and they're working on something, then depending on where they are and their level of will and skill, and yeah, I go into more of that in the book, but depending on their level of will and skill, there are different ways that you can follow up with a teacher. And so in the book, I have eight different ways you can follow up with a teacher. So at the end of that conversation, I have to figure out which one of those eight ways is going to be make the most sense for that teacher. And then you say, listen, okay, great. I'm glad we worked on this today. I tell you what, I'm going to check back in with you in two days to see where we are on this, or I'm going to stop by your classroom next week at some point randomly and just step in for five minutes and just check in and see how things are going. Or I, once I get that resource to you, I'd love to follow up with you in a couple of days to see what you think about it. So there's some appointment there's a, there, and it has a time. It has when we're going to meet again. It has exactly what we're going to discuss. And if you really are good, you're also going to give them the criteria for success. So when I come back in and check with you in a couple of days, this is what I would, would you agree that this would be a good thing to be looking for? Or do you think by this time you'll be here? So it's not just, I'm going to give you more feedback, but you're giving them a goal so that when you come back in the next couple of days, mm -hmm. then you can there's the, there's, it's, it's the next conversation. We thought we'd be here. Are we there? If not, what can we do to get, get you here? So many instructional technology coaches, by the way, if you want to bill me for this conversation later, that's certainly okay out there, but many <laughs> instructional technology coaches, you know, teacher contacts you because they have a need. Help me with my something, right? Yeah. Our job is to make that not a five minute conversation, but a lasting relationship. And the teacher yes. sometimes leaves going, no, you fixed my problem what else do I need you for? I'll call you later. How do you get through that? Yes, I've solved the person's problem, mm -hmm. but I want to continue working because, you know, my job is not to fix your problem. My job is to help you become a better instructor where they're sitting here going, no, make, you know, teach me Google doc. And I'm sitting here going, no, I want to help you learn this philosophy of how to teach with technology. Right. right? Like, <laughs> So the two things, one is if you wait for that conversation, if you wait for teachers to call you with a problem and that's your first conversation, then you set yourself up for being that. So the idea is to be a little bit more proactive and it's really hard because as coaches, we think that we have to bring a bag of goodies. So, Hey, look, I got this really cool thing. It's going to shave 15 minutes off of your time. Would you let me come in your classroom and show it to you versus going into the classroom and saying, listen, here's my job. Here's my role for the year. What is it that you're working on and then let me figure out how I can support you from a technology standpoint. And so that needs to be the first conversation. Now, if you're in a situation where that isn't the first conversation, so you don't have that framework for an ongoing conversation, when the teacher comes in and says, hey, listen, can you fix my Google Doc? And then you fix it and you're like, okay, well, I will call you again when I need you. And you're like, no, no, no let me show you how to do this other thing. The, what you need to help the teacher understand is your problem with Google Docs is a symptom 
of a bigger issue. And if you can help teachers become aware of the bigger issue, then it makes more sense to be invited back. But a lot of times we get to the point where we solve things. So you think about your greatest salesperson, right? So um, um, recently, you know, like, okay, so I'll use an example of a guy who cleans your gutters, right? You call a guy, it's fall, they come in to clean your gutters. And if the guy is really good, he's going to say, you know, while I was up there, I noticed that you had a couple of cracks in your gutters. Well, since I'm here already and I've got something in a truck, do you want me to just go ahead and seal those cracks in your gutters so that that way you won't have these leaks coming in? The so in other words, they are good at the gut, the, the, the Google Doc conversation is the gateway drug and you have to be prepared for hey well while we're doing these google docs hey i noticed this other thing and that's a bigger longer conversation the teacher might say no 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 i just want you to fix my google docs but if you can show how that other thing is a bigger issue than the google docs and that if you solve that then you solve 10 other issues and you can only do that by having the conversation so as you're showing them how to do google docs you're like tell me how you normally use them well what's the biggest challenge you're like you know i've got something that can fix that bigger challenge it's more likely you'll be invited back so many great things here the book is called never underestimate your teachers instructional leadership for excellence in every classroom we are going to take a quick pause here and uh, say some messages from our friends over at the principal center And we're back talking to Robin Jackson, author and podcaster. Robin, I want to kind of start back with this conversation here. How did you get into podcasting? <laughs> I talk too much. <laughs> so I had, I had, I, for the last 12 years, I've had a weekly e-newsletter and we, we built a huge audience of people who receive that every week, but we started seeing the schism in our audience. We had teachers in our audience and we had people who are more in leadership roles. And for a while I tried to straddle that line and try to provide a newsletter that would be useful for both people, but the leaders really started needing more support. The problem was that I couldn't capture it in a newsletter. And I wanted to give people an opportunity to get free mini trainings um, on the on some more of the nuances of being a leader. And so I started trying to write that, but then the newsletter got too long. And then I started trying to do like Facebook lives and I talked too much. So we wanted to formalize it into a podcast. So each week I see the podcast as a way to offer many trainings on, on, on four areas. Either it's going to be on feedback, it's going to be on supporting teachers, it's going to be on accountability, or it's going to be on building a healthy school culture and overcoming toxic, toxicity in the culture. And so now I get an opportunity to kind of every single week, train people on things that I never get an opportunity to train. I, have the, I literally had this backlog of ideas that I wanted to discuss. And now I have this opportunity to do it. So it's really, really fun. Um, and it's a, you know, 20 minutes to a half hour training. And then we usually have some sort of tool that comes with it each week. And it's been a lot of fun for me. The podcast is called School Leadership Reimagined. Where can we go to find out more information about it? You can go to schoolleadershipreimagined.com. Excellent. Certainly check it out. A great show. And uh, you're just getting started with that, aren't you? Yes, but I already have a half a year's worth of episodes mapped out. Nice. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Nice. Check it out. Um, a, a wonderful brand new show. Let's get back onto our topic here, talking about mm -hmm. master teachers. Um, is this something that we can help our pre-service teachers with? I mean, we always say coaching and teachers, veteran teachers, but can we really start to focus this on our college level 
pre-service teachers? Well, I, I think if we don't, we're going to see this huge drop off in, in, in our profession because what people learn, there's this huge disconnect between what happens pre-service and what happens on the job. And so I think that we have to start getting our pre-service teachers to think like master teachers from the very beginning. Because what happens is a lot of times they go to school and then they get into a school building and they have to unlearn everything they learned in school because of the reality of kids in front of them. Whereas if we started with our pre-service teachers showing them how to think like a master teacher, this is how master teachers think. This is how master teachers make instructional decisions. And if they could see that as the goal from the very beginning, and then if they could know that it's possible, not when you retire, but you could be a master teacher within, you know, two or three years of teaching you can reach that level of mastery and then have an entire career of that. What can you imagine the difference it would make if we had this army of master teachers who, who came to the profession, achieved mastery very quickly, and then transformed education? That's, that to me is ex an exciting idea. So the earlier, the better. And when you're working with a pre-service teacher, how does that different than working with a new teacher versus mm. working with somebody who's been, we all have them. I've been here for 25 years. I'm going to retire next month. Get away from <laughs> me, teachers. So the, 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 let's take each one separately. With a pre-service teacher, it's really about helping them adopt the mindset going into the profession, helping them understand what this profession is. So I wrote a book a few years ago called You Can Do This, Hope and Help for New Teachers. And it's, it's this fireside chat that I'm having with people who are pre-service or in their first or second year of teaching to talk about what this profession really is and what does it mean to start out your career with the idea that you're going to become a master teacher and how to do that very quickly. Now, when you're dealing with that veteran who's retired on the job or is holding on for a few months before they retire, it's a little different. And we've had a lot of success with this. In fact, someone came to our institute a couple of months ago, and then she sent me an email, and she said, you know, I was planning on retiring this year because I was totally burned out, but I'm so excited about what I learned that I want another year to implement it. And so she's re-upped for another year. And so we have to get those teachers really excited about the possibilities. Usually when people have gotten to that point, especially if they once did love this work and were good at it, they've gotten to that point because they don't feel like there's anything new. They don't feel like there's anything else they can do, or they're so disgruntled with the working conditions that they think that retiring is better than staying. If we can get them re-excited about the profession, re-excited about the possibilities for what they can accomplish in a classroom, that's when we can get them reignited and, and, and re-engage in what their work is. There's a lot of things that I want to ask you on the show today, but I think I, I want to wrap up everything that we've been talking about today with this question here. If you are a teacher and you want to step out of the classroom and take that first step into being a leadership, um, you know, being in the leadership role, being a coach, what advice do you have for those master teachers who want to then go into training other master teachers? So, I get asked this question a lot, and um, the big answer that I always tell people is that you have to think beyond your own practice, because a lot of people go into coaching because they were good at what they did, and the fir their first foray into coaching is to start out by saying, well, when I was in the classroom, I did it this way, and nobody wants to hear that, because everybody's favorite topic is me myself and I, and they don't, they're, what you do is interesting, but they're concerned about what's happening in their classroom. So if you want to be a coach, 
you have to think beyond what you did in your classroom to think about why what you did in your classroom was so effective. And that's why I wrote Never Work Harder Than Your Students, because I wanted to take what worked in my classroom and distill it down. What are the universal principles that make what you do work? And the best coaches are able to take those principles and help people apply those principles in their practice in a way that works for them. So it's no different than when you're working with students. You don't have to come in with a bag of tricks. You don't have to perform. You don't have to do all of that. What you have to do is figure out what does each kid need and then give that kid what he or she needs. The thing that made you good in the classroom was not the strategies and the tricks and the tools. The thing that made you good in the classroom was that you found a way to reach your kids. That's also what will make you a good coach. And I don't think that we train coaches in that way. I think if we did, then we'd have a lot more coaches satisfied with their jobs because they would be making the same kind of impact out of the classroom that they once made in the classroom. But we get stuck on the tools, the strategies, the tips, and all of that, and we think that's coaching. That's not coaching. Coaching is how do you help people be their best selves. Not how you help people become a carbon copy of you, but how do you figure out what people need and you give it to them in the way that makes them better? How do you build master teachers? And if you focus on that, then stepping out of the classroom is going to be really successful to you, but it's also going to be very gratifying for you. Robin, I am so happy to have met you and to have you on the show today. <laughs> the book is called Never Underestimate Your Teachers, Instructional Leadership for Excellence in Every Classroom. Do you have any last words, last bit of advice for anybody out there who is um, interested in the subject or looking for a little tips for themselves? I think the biggest advice that I would give you is that you we have to stop paying attention to a lot of the bells and whistles strategies, all the cool stuff that's out there. And we have to get back to the basics about why we're in this profession, what makes it work, what makes us so effective. And the more we do that, the more we focus on principles, the more we focus on the root cause, the better we're going to be, the happier we're going to be. Robin, thank you so much for your time today. I hope everybody has a chance to check out the book. There's, of course, going to be links into all of our shows. This is TeacherCast Podcast, episode number 171. Uh, check it out today over on TeacherCast.net. And, of course, we want to say thank you guys out there for, uh, for, for joining us on this show. This is a very, very important topic and, of course, one that we're going to be diving deep into on many of our shows. We, of course, want to say thank you to ASCD for helping us set up this show and for making uh, Robin available to us. And I hope you have a great time listening to this show. On behalf of everybody here on the TeacherCast Educational Network, my name is Jeff Bradbury, reminding you to keep up the great work in your classrooms and continue sharing your passions with your students. 